Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I'm gonna be talking about boys. I'm gonna be talking about things to expect, things to require. Um, I'm gonna share what it looked and looks like as we've homeschooled our five boys. Um, Our boys are almost 23, uh, 20, 19, 17, and 13. Um, So we kind of got the gamut right now. Um, Most of them are adults. Most of them have graduated. So um, I I just feel like there's some things that I've learned along the way that I think hopefully will be uh, something you can use in your own uh, life with your boys. There's, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like we're raising a different species. Does does anybody else feel that way? Because sometimes their responses to things or when I've like, kind of wondered what they're thinking and I ask questions, it makes me realize how very differently they think. And we talked a lot about this in the last podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go back and to listen to sort of the foundation that I laid before I moved into talking about these other things. Uh, And the things that I mentioned today, not every single thing is going to work for everyone. Um, Some things will work now. uh, Some maybe you'll use them later. Um, But I'm all about just listening um, to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. You know, everyone's experience will vary, but I'm pretty sure that you'll be able to find some ideas in some of the things that I'm going to talk about that resonate with you. Watch for those things because, like I said before, that's most likely the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom. You know, something's going to catch your attention that you're thinking, you know what, I've already been thinking about that, and maybe this is confirmation that I'm supposed to be doing that or changing that. So hopefully as you listen, a lot of things will resonate with you, and you'll be able to um, just gain some wisdom and some confidence, you know, because, you know, it's kind of a scary thing raising boys sometimes, especially in this culture. And like I said, I talked about that more in the last podcast where I kind of laid that foundation um, and and that that foundation is where I'm talking from today as I get into more the practical aspect of raising and homeschooling boys. But before I dive into that, if you're a new listener, you can go check out my blog, DorendaWilson.com. That is where I uh, post all of my podcasts and anything that I write. Um, if you want more encouragement, there are other articles and things that I've written in there in the past that uh, maybe you'll find helpful. So you can go check that out. Um, I encourage you to subscribe to the blog because then you'll know whenever I put something new up, every podcast that goes up that's new um, goes on there immediately. It's one of the first places it goes. Um, Also, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, I am in both of those places. The Facebook page is just Dorenda Wilson, and the Instagram is at Dorenda Lee Wilson. So um, pretty easy to find. My name's pretty unusual, so hopefully you can connect with me there if that's something that you do. Also, if you uh, don't already know that I've... uh, Uh, written a book called The Unhurried Homeschooler. And it's a lot of what I'm going to talk about today. um, I cover in that book. Um, I think it's more what I'm going to say today and and talk about today is more boy specific, but there's a lot of good basic things in there that I think uh, you might find helpful. And I describe it as a simple, simply mercifully short book on homeschooling. Um, I don't know about you, but I never really typically make it through an entire book. Um, I'm, I tell everybody I'm a bad book reader. I'll find the nuggets and then I move move on. So um, 
all that to say, when I went to write a book, my first thought was, let's keep it short so these moms can actually read it. And uh, and, st- and so I just tried to stick to the point and um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. It's, it's, it's kind of a fun read and um, hopefully you'll be able to find that over on Amazon. The other thing that I wanted to tell you, <laughs> if you don't already know, um, that I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for 28 years. Um, like I said, we have five boys. We also have three girls, and their ages are 13 to 26. We have four grandkids, three on this earth, and one that went to be with the Lord just before he was born. Um, and I always like to count him because he'll he'll always be a part of our family and always be our first grandson. So I like to count him in the mix. Um, we also have been homeschooling for over 22 years. So... Um, so that's that's kind of the place that I'm sharing from and the experience that I'm sharing from. And so if you're listening to this or uh, you get done listening to this or you've listened to other podcasts, um, I would really love it if you would leave a rating or a review or a comment from wherever you're listening, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, or my blog. I love to hear back from you. I'd love to hear any topics you'd like me to cover. Um I want to speak to what it is you're needing to hear. So if you could just leave those there. And also I look at those because I, you know, I need feedback, honestly. Um, I don't always hear a lot when I do these podcasts. And so I'm, I'm never entirely sure if they're helping or not, unless you guys leave a comment, which a lot of you have, and I really appreciate it. So keep doing that. I really appreciate it. And also as you do ratings and reviews on iTunes or SoundCloud, that also brings it up in the list. And so when other moms are looking for podcasts to listen to, they will listen to, um, they'll find mine. It makes it easier for them to find mine. So let's dive in here into uh, what uh, what I'm going to be talking about. Um, Last week, I kind of left off with talking about some of the kind of the distinctiveness of boys. That was the title of the podcast. And so that's kind of where I was leaving off where was just talking about some of the things that make boys uh, distinctive, maybe different than uh, a lot of girls, not all girls. Again, I want to emphasize that um, these character qualities that I'm describing happen on a sliding scale. You know, some uh some boys are more competitive than others, um, but uh, competition does seem to be a common theme, and that's one thing that I talked about last week, that they're competitive, and and honestly, the best way that uh, boys bond is letting them compete with each other. Um, that's why they do so well on, uh, you know, like uh, soccer teams and um, anything that involves teamwork. A lot of times, uh, boys will thrive there, and that's where they find their best buddies, um, and also when they compete with each other, it, it really can lead to uh, good lessons on being a good winner or, or a good loser. Um, they also learn how to sympathize and empathize with, with others. You know, if they, maybe they're the winner and someone else is the loser or vice versa. If they have that feeling of having lost, they're going to be able to empathize with um, another person when maybe when they win and, and this other friend loses, they can empathize with what that feels like and they can learn to be a better winner. Um, I was also mentioned that our girls along the way, they they just really didn't want me to grade their schoolwork. 
And so I tended not to give grades for a long time because our two oldest were girls and I was just sort of, you know, in that groove. But at one point in time, uh, our boys uh, verbalized to me that they wanted grades. And I realized that they wanted and needed the challenge and the chance to improve. Um, They needed to know that they were conquering. So that's where we left off last week. Um, A few more characteristics. Boys tend to be really concrete. Have you ever noticed that? Like everything is so much of their thinking is black and white. It's just, it is or it isn't. You know, it's, it fits in one box or another. I think that kind of comes back to men having sort of a, 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 a tendency to put things in boxes. And, and boys are obviously uh, going to be men someday. They're wired the same way. So they tend to do this box thing. Um, so they, I can't, but the cool thing about it is that I can't, um, I can talk to them in a very different way than I can talk to my girls. I can be way more blunt with them and they can totally handle it. In fact, they think it's funny when I'm just super direct with them. And so that is something I really had to get used to because I tend to want to, you know, make sure that I say everything right and don't hurt their feelings and all this kind of stuff. And they were just like, hey, just shoot straight with me, mom. Tell me, tell me what the deal is. And I also, one of the mistakes that I've made as a mom is tending to use too many words. So uh, one day I had, I went out to dinner with my husband and I had just gotten done just telling him how frustrated I was with the boys and um, all the ways that I didn't understand them. And so my husband was really patient and he listened and he, you know, just let me unload. And then as we were in the car leaving the restaurant, he looked at me and he said, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but there's something I need to tell you. And I said, well, tell me, what is it? And he said, "Um, you're using too many words. And I thought, wow, I had no idea, but it made sense. All of a sudden, there was like this peace in my heart that this was going to be a key thing, sort of a defining moment that was really going to help me with our boys. And so I went back home and I really worked on keeping my words to a minimum. So, you know, not a lot of talking, not a lot of explaining, just a, hey, you need to do this. And, you know, if, and then if they didn't, there was some sort of consequences on, on the tail of that. And every single one of my boys has told me that they definitely prefer that, I do it that way, that it's actually more effective um, in, in as far as discipline and things like that and more effective in helping them remember um, rather than me just droning on and on with words. So that was a really important thing for me to, to realize and to start uh, doing with our boys. Now, another thing that boys really tend to do, and especially some do it at younger ages, but generally it happens more towards the tween and teen years, is they start to try to run the show. And um, it's interesting because it's part of their development. And I think that's one thing we have to remember is they start to sort of try their man on and they try their man on with you. (laughs) And it can be really irritating and slightly disturbing because, you know, 
we really kind of need to stay in charge if we're going to have a smoothly running household, right? We can't be letting the kids run the show. But at the same time, here they are trying to, you know, try their man, their man pants on or something like that. And as long as we recognize that that's what's happening, I think we can direct that energy towards something productive. We can put them in charge of something. But the one thing that I did tell my boys is I understand these feelings that you have of wanting to be in charge. And, you know, someday you're going to be fully in charge of your own life. Right now is not that time. Someday you're going to have a wife and kids and you're going to be need to be the leader in your home. This is not that time. I already have a leader and I have a husband and it's not you. <laughs> so, um, so I would tell them that and then they would understand that, okay, this, is, this makes sense. And then, like I said, we would try to direct that energy a different uh, on something else, give them a specific project or something where they could take that man energy and apply it and make it useful. The other thing I would do is try to listen to some of their suggestions because sometimes they've actually had great ideas to help problem solve things that they saw were irritating me or a constant ongoing issue um, in in you know how the house was running or whatever you know and and I found that they actually had some really good ideas and they love to have that kind of input. So in a respectful way, of course, they need to convey that, but, and timing is everything. That's what I tell them. Sometimes if I'm in the middle of something, it's like, okay, dude, I want to hear what you have to say, but I can't right now. Let's, let's talk about this over dinner or, you know, over a cup of coffee or whatever, but um, I need to keep moving with what I'm doing and I can't change the, the groove right now. And so, they were very understanding about that. And I think it's so important to communicate like that with them, just be straightforward with them. Um, and just remind them that at this point in time, they are still learning um, respect. They're learning to respect us. They're learning to respect um, you know, authority, um, to work under authority and, and under the parents' authority. And so that that's, they're sort of in boot camp. And that's what I would tell them. This is like boot camp for life. And so just, you know, hang on to your britches and do the best you can. And we'll try to work with you, but you're not in charge right now. So um, that was something that was really important. Um, so there's some things that, you know, I would often do with our kids and with our boys, especially, you know, they would have a, you know, a bright idea like, mom, I'd really like to jump off the porch with my bike. Can I do that? And I would think to myself, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? He's going to crash and he might get scraped up. It's two steps down. I'm good with it. So this happened with our son when he was about four or five years old. Sure is shooting. I said, you go for it, dude, have at it. And so I watched him and he, you know, took his flying leap with his bike off the, off the porch and he crashed and burned. He was fine. And I said to him, well, what'd you learn? And he said, I learned I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and so, you know, those are the kinds of things that we need to let our boys do. Um, it's so important that we don't baby them, that we let them have that sense of adventure. It is, it's really important for them to do that. All, of course, within boundaries. Um, you know, I talk about letting them have this sense of adventure, letting them take this initiative, but they also need to know how to come under authority. They know need to know when and where these things are appropriate. Um, so we need to teach them discernment along with that adventuresome spirit. But when we do this, we actually show them respect. 
And this is something that is really important to the male species. Um, according to Gary Smalley, who I absolutely love his um, counsel, and if you've had a chance to read any of his books or listen to his videos, he's passed on to be with the Lord, but I have gained so much from him over the years. And one of the things he says is that um, men need respect like women need love. And I thought that was interesting. We both need love and respect, but women's need for love tends to be, of course, because it's not across the board, but tends to be higher than their need for respect. And the reverse is true for males. And so this is true for our sons. Um, so respect is a really huge part of our relationship with our boys. They need to understand or know that we respect them. Um, and likewise, we need to demand respect from them and be respectable and worthy of that, you know, worthy of that respect because they know they're not stupid. They, they are brilliant and they know when um, we're not really doing, uh, not really living out what we're saying, what we're expecting them to live out. So, um, okay, so today I also... This is, this is going to be fun because I have had so many of you ask me about homeschooling. So as I was praying and thinking about what I was going to talk about in this next podcast, I actually had already recorded this podcast and God just really spoke to my heart and said, you need to be totally honest and upfront with these women and tell them exactly how you homeschooled these boys. And I think one of the reasons I've held back is because um, I'm afraid you're going to think it sounds lame. <laughs> So bear with me because um, I'm sort of bearing my soul here. All I can say is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God led us to homeschool our boys this way. It doesn't mean you have to homeschool your boys this way, but I feel like there's probably some nuggets and maybe some things in there that you're gonna be able to pull out and find extremely helpful in adjusting your own homeschooling to be maybe a better fit for your boys. So I'm praying that as I um, make myself vulnerable to you, that you find comfort and encouragement in it. Um, and I can tell you, you know, we've graduated three so far, and I feel like if you're going to call homeschooling a success or not a success, I would call our homeschooling successful. I love our boys. I love our young adult men who. Um, have given me lots of feedback about what they think about their homeschooling years. And I'll be sharing some of that a little bit later in the podcast. Um, so I'm going to dig into the specifics of homeschooling boys and how we did this. So um, one thing I want you to bear in mind over all of this that I'm going to share is the absolute key in however you're going to homeschool is ownership. It is absolutely essential that our boys own what they're doing. Now, this is a process, granted. I mean, it's not gonna, they're not gonna start out in first grade enjoying and owning all of their schoolwork and their chores and all these things. May, they may own some of it or very little of it. They're still very much in the training process at that age. And this is why I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler, because I feel like it's so important to start out slowly and gradually add responsibility and continue to um, move them towards more ownership. And that takes time. And this is one thing that kids are not getting. Even homeschooling kids are not getting the time that they need to develop at a rate that is natural and 
and normal for them to develop at. We are expecting way too much of them in some areas way too soon and way too little of them um, way too late. I hope that made sense. Like they're capable of, for instance, chores with, with little kids. They are capable of doing more than we realize a lot of times. They're growing and developing so quickly that you don't realize how soon they're ready to unload the dishwasher, to sweep, to clear the table, to do things around the house that are going to help you as a mom keep the household running smoothly. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. But it's important to understand this. Listen carefully. If we own too much of what they are doing, they will not. Boys tend to be very independent And if our hands are on too much of a project, they look at it as ours, not theirs. And so what we want to be doing is taking our hands off as much of it as we can, as soon as we can, and let them them own it. Give them a chance to embrace it and to own it. Um, With our kids and schoolwork, once they started doing reading, writing, um, basic math, they were responsible to sit down every morning and do the workbook pages that they knew they were supposed to do. You know, if it was two or three pages a day in a math book, that's what they needed to sit down and do. And I kept it consistent. It was the same every day. Um, But what we need to be doing is praying that God will help our boys take ownership and that he would show us when and how to let go along the way. And remember, this is a process Please remember, a six-year-old is a six-year-old. I know when it's your oldest child, it sounds like they're getting so old. And sometimes we start expecting adult behavior from them in areas that they simply are not ready for yet. They're developmentally not there. People will expect that kind of... what do you call it, behavior from them in, in schoolwork that they really aren't ready for until they're more like junior high and high school, and yet they won't make them unload the dishwasher. So we need to flip this on its head. It's, a complete, it's by nature the total opposite of that. And again, that's why I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler to kind of show that process. Um, so remember that this is a process and continue to pray over it. Now, I asked our boys what they thought were were the most important, uh, what what things were most important and the difference uh, between owning and not owning uh, what it is they were doing. And of course, they can't answer me seriously ever the first time around. They said, we we really don't know um, because we were raised like this from birth. Um, so that really made me laugh. So, but basically, in essence, what they were saying, as far back as they can remember, I was insisting that they own what they're doing. And I did not baby them. Um, it didn't mean that I didn't come alongside of them and encourage them and help them sometimes and show them. But I was pretty insistent that they learn to see and do these things on their own to be able to take that kind of initiative. So some of the things that they said were the most important was, of course, this independence, um, that they appreciated that and they wanted that and they're glad they had it. And they said, if mom is always protecting him from failure, he will never learn how to learn from his failures. Um, Have you ever heard the quote, mistakes are not failures unless we fail to learn from them? 
And so if we can start looking at and teaching our boys to look at mistakes as, wow, there's something valuable we can take away from this. So what did you learn from this for the next time? You know, these are the ways that we can encourage them and press them on to greatness. Um, You know, and honestly, I'm just gonna be honest, sometimes they do what appears to be really stupid things to us. Like they're not things we would ever try, like jumping off a porch with a bike. But it's important for them to be able to do those things. it's, It's important for us to let them make mistakes without ridiculing them. This is how we show respect and we call our boys up to a higher standard. And... Like I said before, we need to not baby our our boys. Um, I've actually had to think of myself as more of a drill sergeant um, because that's what it can feel like. I'm used to just like, let's, you know, let's be more nurturing and caring. And, um, but the feedback I was getting from my boys was more like, hey, just lay it on the line. Tell us how it is. And if we don't do it, give us consequences. They literally said that to me. (laughs) And, um, so we need to remember that that's what they want. That's what they need. Um, and the last thing that they mentioned that was absolutely crucial um, that our boys mentioned was work ethic. This is something that we we worked really hard with our boys on. Um, I would say, say overarching everything else, uh, work ethic is absolutely important. And that can start at a very young age with chores. Um, there is something about work ethic that builds grit in our kids. And grit is courage and resolve and strength of character. And it's something that um, many people, many kids, and even grownups, adults in our generation are lacking is grit. And actually, it's, it's interesting because um, professionals, experts are now saying that uh, grit is the number one uh, predictor of success. Isn't that interesting? It's grit. It's not education. It's not knowledge. It's not all this information that we're going to stuff into our kids. It's grit. And so this is what we want to focus on with our boys, with this ownership and, and this work ethic. So one thing I want to encourage you to do as a mom, and I did this a lot, and that is to let your sons share their dreams with you because they have lots of them. And if you listen, they will share them with you. If you put them off or ridicule them, if we make fun of them or let them, fi- let them f- make them feel like their ideas are dumb, they are not gonna open up to us. And so even if it sounds crazy, listen to their dreams and let them share these things with you. And you know, if you wanna help them think it through without sending a message that their idea is stupid, start asking lots of questions. You know, well, what are you gonna do about this? And what if this happens? So what do you think about this? And let them start uh, problem solving, maybe this this dream, um, I think we can balance them out and, and give them discernment that way. I mean, obviously, if they're starting to get discouraged and maybe they're just trying it on for size, just let them do it. You know, it's not a big deal. You have to kind of feel that out. But it's a great way to let them dream while st- still keeping them grounded by asking questions about this plan and this idea and these things that they have. I remember our son, Jake, used to come to me. Oh gosh, I I'm kid you not. I swear he was three or four maybe when he would come to me and talk to me about 
electronics and oh, all these things and these ideas. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know if he was right or wrong or if he actually knew maybe what he was talking about, you know, the older he got. I didn't know my eyes would glaze over and I'd get really sleepy. We are girls uh, eventually described that as a uh, technical lullaby <laughs> because it made us sleepy when we listened to it. It was overwhelming because his mind was just working all the time. And he's one of those guys who, when he goes to bed at night, he would have a hard time sleeping because his brain was just like inventing and creating. And oh my goodness, it, it was crazy. And so, um, but I wanted to encourage that. I wanted to encourage that um, creativity and that intellect because as they're thinking and they're dreaming and they're problem solving, this is all developing their brain. And it's so um, important for higher learning. You know, when, when they're talking to us, actually verbalizing these ideas they have in their head, there's a whole nother dimension of their brain that is being activated. And we don't think of it as any big deal. We just are like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know. But I'm serious. This is an important part of their development. And this is where homeschooling absolutely rocks it because we can take the time, if we're not too hurried, we can take the time to listen to them, to listen to their dreams and to let those parts of their brains develop through conversation. And in the meantime, our relationship is being nurtured and it's growing. And I have that kind of relationship with each of our five boys and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So be willing to slow down and listen to their dreams and, um, and ask them questions and participate um, with them in their dreams. So we talked about ownership. Again, I'm going to reemphasize that ownership thing is super important. And when they're sharing those dreams with you, they're owning those dreams. They're owning those ideas and, the, and those thoughts. And it's so important, um, again, for them to have that kind of ownership. So um, there are ways to um, encourage ownership. I've mentioned uh, some of those ways. Um, I'm going to mention a few resources here that I'm going to put in the podcast notes. There's some um, a blog post or a blog, I guess it's called the or website. It's called the Art of Manliness. Um, I think I I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast. I don't know that it's a Christian website, but. Our older sons have absolutely loved the stuff in there. And so much of it is really rooted in Christian principles. It's just talking about work ethic and being other-oriented and what a real man actually is like. And, and really, it's in, it's, it comes, like I said, all that originates with God in his word. But there's some great stuff on there. Um, so especially for older boys, that's a great place to go and check things out. Bob Schultz has some wonderful devotional books for boys that we have read. All, I think he wrote three of them and we've read them all and some of them more than once. Created for Work, Practical Happiness, and Boyhood and Beyond. Again, I'll put those all in on the blog post that, that uh, this podcast is on. Also, having them read and watch and uh, us telling them stories of heroes, um, these uh, get, point out good role models. You know, like even if th these role models can be in these stories, they can be stories you tell about your own personal experience. They can be stories you've heard. They can be books that we're reading to them. They can be documentaries. They can be... Um, 
maybe the people around you that you know are good role models, have male role models, have them over for dinner and let your boys ask them questions about what they do. Maybe a law enforcement officer or um, a fireman or someone you really respect, your pastor, have them over and, and have your boys um, have some questions ready. Maybe discuss ahead of time. What are some of the things you'd like to know about You know what this guy does for his work? and Or invite someone over um, who's in the field of work that they're interested in and let them let them hear stories and talk to them. And then some resources for you, mom. Uh, my friend Heather wrote a book called Nights in Training. That's a uh, really great book um, having to do with raising boys into men. Um, the Minds of Boys, this I don't believe is a Christian book. The author I don't believe is a Christian, but he has a lot of science behind um his studies on the differences between boys and girls. And this is, you know, this is purely, a lot of it's just physiological. And he gives some really good ideas to educators as to how to kind of approach education with boys and how they're wired in mind. Um, So that's a good one. Again, I'll have these in the blog post. Uh, Bringing Up Boys by Dr. Dobson. That's a whole series on bringing up boys. Um, That's a really good kind of basic one if you want to just start with a basic thing. That's a very good series. And one of my favorite books is Boys Should Be Boys, Seven Secrets to Raising Healthy Sons. That was probably, that's one of the few books I read all the way through because I absolutely loved it and I was on vacation. So that helped too. But so again, these resources will be in the show notes from this podcast on my blog. Okay, so one of the greatest, the best things we can do with our boys is to keep things simple, okay? Um, C.S. Lewis said, the, uh, the greatest service we can do to education today is to teach fewer subjects. No one has time to do more than a very few things well before he is 20. And when we force a boy to be an uh, medi- in mediocrity in a dozen subjects, oh, to be a mediocrity in a dozen subjects, we destroy his standards, perhaps for life. What he's saying there is when we're just kind of trying to throw too much at them, we can't, they can't master it all. They can't do it all well. So let's just stick to the things, um, keep it simple so that the things that they do, we can require them to do well. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that is actually one of the things that drove the way uh, that I homeschooled. Okay, so for homeschooling, um, when it comes to homeschooling, see, to me, homeschooling is a lifestyle. So I have a hard time just cutting it off and making, okay, this is life and this is homeschooling. Our homeschooling was a lifestyle. And this was sun up to sundown. You know, there was no real break in homeschooling, we, I guess my favorite thing to say is that our schooling revolved around home life, not home life around schooling. So with that in mind, um, the first thing I'm going to address is chores. I feel like that is such a huge part of raising our boys and, uh, and homeschooling our boys. Um, and this is such an important part of uh, ownership, of teaching them ownership. So Some of the things that they learn from doing chores, following directions, follow through, ownership. They actually have hands-on experiences, which is absolutely 
it's just absolutely <laughs> an integral part of their brain development and prepares them for higher learning. So this thing you're having them do when you have them organize a cupboard or you have them unload a dishwasher or sweep or clear the table or do yard work, giving these boys chores is actually preparing them for higher learning down the road. Now let that sink in. The very things that are going to make your life easier because you want your kids to be helping out around the house. We can't do this ourselves. If we're going to homeschool our kids and keep a household running smoothly, everybody has to pitch in. We have to be a team. And that's the other thing that they learn from this is teamwork. You're going to have bickering along the way. You're going to have respect issues. We're going to have things are going to come up from doing chores that are going to build character in our kids. And um, and specifically, I'm talking about boys today. Um, This is the place where they will learn work ethic, which our boys, like I said before, have said was the most important thing that they learned along with ownership. So this is where our boys learn to push through to a goal. So in the younger years, really it's not as much the schoolwork as it is the chores and the doing that teaches them grit. We are We are teaching them uh, to appreciate the satisfaction of a job well done. Uh, We're giving them that courage, that resolve, that strength of character. And like I said before, this is what the experts are currently recognizing as the markers of success. But you know what? As moms, we already knew this because we know that this principle comes from God and his word. I wanna share a few verses with you on excellence. Daniel 6.3 says, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Show yourself, uh, this is Titus 2.7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. It's interesting because all of these things that we're gonna be teaching our boys, again, is ownership. It's them understanding that it doesn't matter what everybody else around them is doing. It matters that you are doing the right thing. And that has been probably one of the hardest things, lessons to uh, to get across to our boys to actually own is, is to say, it doesn't matter if your brother did A, B, and C. You're responsible for your response in that situation. It doesn't matter if your dad didn't ask you in the nicest tone of voice to do this chore. You are responsible for your response. You still need to be respectful. So these are the kinds of things we want to instill in our boys. And are we seeing that in the current culture? We're not. And so this is where our children and our faith is going to stand out it's going to shine like stars in the universe. You know, when uh, the scripture talks about 
about how we will shine like stars in the universe. And it has to do with not complaining. And I think about that. If if your boys or, you know, ourselves, if we own something, let's just say, let's, since we're talking about boys, let's just stick with that. If our boys own something and they move forward in, in, in strength of courage and with grit and, and resolve and they're not complaining, they're not victims, they're just moving forward in courage and strength, that is going to set them apart and that is going to get the world's attention. They're gonna look at that and say, what is different about that young man? And can I just say, we have experienced this with our boys. They, um, we get more compliments on how polite our boys are, how kind they are, how helpful they are, how respectful they are, what hard workers they are. And I just think I couldn't ask for better feedback on how we did with our kids. They're not perfect. I still, lots of things I'm praying for with them and we're talking about and working through because they're human just like we are. I don't expect perfection, but my goodness, God has been so good and he has been faithful to lead us and he will do the same for you. Do what he leads you to do. Don't be afraid is what I'm saying. Be courageous. Get a vision for what God has for your boys and move forward with it. And don't be afraid of what other people think. Think of it as a leap of faith, trusting your God for the heart of your boys and for the life of your boys. So my goals when I started homeschooling our kids was that I wanted them to be, uh, I wanted them to love learning. And the best way that I knew to, to cause that to happen was because kids are born natural learners, I figured if they were natural learners, it would be more about me not sucking that out of them by burning them out on school books and schoolwork and things that maybe weren't appropriate, age appropriate, if that makes sense. You know, the experts are all out there talking about early childhood education. Maybe in some instances that works. I don't know. All I know is God told me very clearly, and I just had this strong sense that we needed to start out slowly and gradually add to the workload when it came to schoolwork. And our kids needed to have more hands-on real-life experiences um, in the younger years, in the, in their just day-to-day activities. Um, it's interesting because... Um, my second goal, so my first goal was uh, to encourage a love of learning. And my second goal was that I would teach them to be resourceful, to figure out, okay, so they love learning, right? So if they love learning, they've got to know where to find out what they want to know, right? So I figured those two went together <clears throat> beautifully. The interesting thing is I ran this across our oldest son sometime during while well, he was in college. And he said to me, mom, you need to add something to that. You need to add work ethic to it. Because he said, you can love learning and you can be resourceful, but if, you don't, if you're not willing to do the work that it takes, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. It's not gonna come together. Hard work and work ethic is what's going to bring this all together and cement it together. I thought that made perfect sense. So um, now I make sure that I include that when I talk about um, these goals in homeschooling. 
Now, things to remember when it comes to chores and teaching work ethic. Um, these are things that I tried to make sure that I did, and that was to put a time frame on them. Um, <clears throat> I would use a timer very frequently, and I would sometimes ask them, "What amount of time do you think is reasonable for you to get this done?" You know, if they're cleaning out a few drawers and they say, "Well, it's going to take me an hour," and I'm no, an hour's too long. Try again, and I'd make them come to some reasonable amount of time. Because here I, what I'm doing then is I'm kind of handing off ownership to them. So now they're telling me, basically verbalizing to me, I think I can get that done in 30 minutes. Okay, I'm going to set the timer for 30 minutes. And you see how I worked that out so that it became their thing? Also inspect the work, make them redo it if necessary, because this is where they're going to learn grit. They need to learn what it looks like to, to do a job well. Don't expect them to naturally see it show them and have them show you. Um, the problem is, and I've done this, made this mistake a lot, is this, I'm like, it's faster for me just to do it myself. When the reality is they, I'm not helping anybody by, except myself by doing it myself. And, and every now and then, obviously, sometimes we just need to do that. But ultimately we, what we want is for them to see what's there, to, to have them show us, um, like say they cleaned up a room, but, but I could see there still aren't, are things that aren't picked up. I would ask them, can you see anything else in this room that's out of place that needs to be put away? And you just keep asking that. And what that does again is it, it, it in, encourages ownership of that job. So also, another thing we want to do is we want to bring them alongside of us to work on things. You know, there's things we need to get done as, as parents, as homeowners. Um, we, and what we can do is bring them alongside of us, encourage them along the way, and ask them questions along the way as we problem solve. For instance, if we're cleaning up the front yard, you know, we can ask them questions that would be obvious to us, like, you know, how are we going to, how do you think we should do this? Um, should we take this yard in sections or should we just do the whole thing and put, you know, one big pile of leaves in the middle? And because by asking questions, I'm engaging them again and I'm encouraging ownership. And make sure you encourage them along the way. One of the things we also love to do was to make sure that we had carrots, we call them carrots, or rewards after big projects. You know, we lived on property, we cut firewood, and when we were done cutting firewood, we had hot apple cider and a bonfire. And just to make it so that everybody is working towards a common goal. It is amazing to watch what that how that can motivate our kids and just bring the family together. That family cohesiveness, um, that has just been such a, a front and center for us as a family. And I think it has made all the difference in the world. So uh, some chore ideas. Now I wanna tell you, I did not pay our kids to do normal everyday work. It's part of being in a family and learning to simply appreciate the feeling of a job well done. But sometimes I'd ha I would have an odd job list where they could, it would be hanging on the fridge and they could earn extra money if they were motivated and willing to take the initiative. So pay was uh, sometimes, it, it was based on different things. Sometimes it was on how good of a job they did. I would wait until after they were done and I would tell them, I think it's worth this. But if you finish, if you go ahead and do this, this, and this, uh, concerning this job, it'll be worth this much more to me. And they can decide if they want to, finish the job and make a little more money. Or I would have them give me a bid on what they thought it was worth. And we would go back and forth and, and agree on a price. 
And again, all of that gives them that feeling of ownership. I had our kids help around the house. They cleaned up their rooms every single day. Uh, They did kitchen duty. Oh, the one thing that I, uh, oh, I did mention um, inspecting the work. I did room inspections for decades. (laughs) Finally, I started telling my husband, can you please do these because I'm getting really tired of this. Um, And sometimes I had the older kids inspect the younger ones or I'd have them inspect each other. You know, that can, that can get real interesting sometimes. Um, <laughs> that can bring up other character issues, but it's, it, it's option. Those are options for you. Um, but they always had to help with kitchen duties, uh, putting away laundry, setting table, helping with meals, yard work, the day-to-day that needs to be done to maintain a house. Um, because you know what? We need to work as a team. I need the help as a mom, as a homeschooling mom. I can't do it all. And, and you know what? They had, there was confidence that came with them learning to do things around the house and feeling part of something uh, bigger than themselves. You know, that's, that sort of feeds into that. And it's so important that our kids understand the world doesn't revolve around them. Um, we need to teach them to be other oriented and um, doing chores around the house is an excellent way to do that. Um, I also kept a list of jobs handy um, so that I could easily give them a chore when they've got lots of energy or, or are bored, quote unquote. You know, at our house, bored, if you use that word bored, it equals work. When they told me they were bored, I said, all right, I've got something for you to do. You know, I rarely heard that word after I did that a few times. And it was highly effective. But having them help with home projects, painting, repairing things, landscaping, chopping firewood, so many of the things, like I said, that we have to do anyway to maintain a home are things our boys can do right along with us. Okay, so getting into more of the curriculum and uh, schoolwork, I am going to talk about, oh goodness, we're almost at an hour already, but you know, I'm going to finish up this part of it and, oh goodness. All right. Best laid plans here. So K through um, eighth grade, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So like I said, we started out slowly. Um, the boys, every day we would, they would do chores first, then school work until noon or until they were finished. You know, if they were fast, they could get done before that. After, then they would have lunch and lunch cleanup. We would rest and, and they would take a little bit of time to read. Um, they could read anything. Like I, they could take a stack of books to their bed, but this is the time where I sort of covered the aspect of reading. Um, you know, they didn't have to read but often they would end up reading just because they were interested in what it is they were looking at. I really wanted my kids to, to love reading, so I really tried not to force uh, required reading on them. And, you know, they learned a lot from just sitting there reading and looking at these books during rest time. Um, after that, they had free time. Um, that's not to be confused with screen time. I was really adamant about them being outside and uh, you know, playing with Legos if the weather's bad, um, building blanket forts, um, just anything where they were playing and imagining and creating and that kind of thing. So um, now remember, these are in the younger years. Um, after the free time, we would give them, they had more chores to do. 
uh, right before dinner. Sometimes that included a shower because we all know boys hate showers, so I had to make it part of their chores. (laughs) And then we had dinner and family time together. So I felt strongly that um, all I was responsible for when it came to the actual curriculum aspect of schoolwork was I was responsible to teach them the basics, basic math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, fractions, the practical stuff. Um, Language, reading, which they did during rest time, and then sometimes I would read to them. Writing, a lot of times that was, um, when they were younger especially, was just handwriting. Uh, And so basically math and language the language arts. That's what I would co- we would cover in the mornings. So math, language, and handwriting. Again, this is in the younger years. I worked alongside of them until they knew how to write their numbers and letters and, and had you know basic math and basic reading skills. Um, but I, like I said before, encouraged independence as soon as possible, that they would own what they were doing every day. And I was consistent with that. It's important that they know what to expect. This is what you're doing. And this is what we do every morning. And so there's no other um, options out there. This is, this is our morning. This is what it looks like. When they were younger, I got their workbooks at Costco. I got them at Walmart because they're all pretty much the same. They're just teaching them how to write their numbers, basic addition, uh, you know, basic, basic math skills, um, handwriting, how to make their letters. Um, I did have my kids do cursive because I really believe and have read that that develops a part of their brain that's really um, important. And it also enables them to be able to read, you know, their grandparents' letters or great-grandparents' letters, you know. I think it's a, it's a skill that they should have. And so um, our, our kids did, uh, their handwriting involved Bible verses. That was my husband's one request is that our kids would get scripture every day. And that's how we incorporated that. And it really got into their heads and hearts as they wrote it out. And so that was a great thing. Um, You know, so the language arts includes, uh, you know, grammar, punctuation, spelling, et cetera. Um, And I would, again, start with Walmart things. Uh, Oh, back to, sorry, back to math. Costco, Walmart, moved on to Horizons and Saxon. Schiller math is a great hands-on math if you really want to do uh, more of a Montessori approach, which I I reviewed their product. You can go and look at it on my uh, blog. It, it's fantastic. If I had to do it over again, I would probably choose that um, as math for our kids, but I didn't have that. So we did Horizons, we did Saxon, you know, just your basic workbook, sometimes a Becca, um, Language, same thing, started out with Costco, Walmart, and moved on to um, mainly reading. They would read every day and they would write a summary. So, okay, now we're talking about getting into the, you know, to the point where they can actually write a couple paragraphs. Um, So, and that's different for every kid. My kids, it usually didn't happen until probably fourth grade, third, fourth grade. Like I said, we took things slowly and it didn't seem to make a difference, um, except that they didn't hate schoolwork. So, I, I like that part of it. <laughs> of course, they complained, but they never. I never felt guilty because I'm like, no, we're we're doing this. This is what we need to do. This isn't optional. And you know, they look back and they're like, man, 
That was great, mom. Thank you for doing it that way. But when kids write a summary of what they've written, there's a whole lot of things going on there. When they were younger and couldn't write the summary, I would have them tell it to me. So that's called narration. You can look that up. That's a very interesting uh, very interesting thing that is important for kids to learn. It, there's a part of the brain that develops with that. Go and, and read about that because that's really fascinating. And I think Charlotte Mason has a lot to say about that. Um, so younger, they would read and just tell me what they read about. And then as they got older, they would write summaries. Now, when they wrote summaries, this was really cool because what I loved about it is it covered grammar, punctuation, capitalization, sentence structure, um, so many things, so many aspects of writing, but in a very simple form. And so that is something that we just did consistently. And um, I really didn't change all that much um, even when they got older, and sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, and I'll explain that a little later on. Um, for grammar books, um, we used uh, Learning Language Arts Through Literature, which I really liked because it covered all those aspects of language arts, and uh, that was a fun one that we would sometimes use um, instead of writing summaries. Um, you can use Abeka. I found Abeka to be a little bit complicated uh, the older they got, and I really felt like we needed to stay on task with... Um, making sure all the basics were covered. Um, but Abeka is an excellent, excellent curriculum. And some kids just thrive in it. So I'm not saying it's not for, it's not for some of you. Um, a couple of our kids did well with it to a certain point. So, um, and the other thing I want to share is that I don't necessarily do every activity in every book. Okay, like you've got your Saxon math. Um, if they were clearly getting the concept, um, even when they, even when they were, just doing something for the first time, I would make them do every other problem. And that was enough because Saxon does so much review and so many questions that that worked really well for us. So, you know, it's it's you making those adaptations and adjustments according to your child's need and what you feel like they need uh, to keep being motivated. Um, so that's just something that you sort of feel your way through. Um, and when I say that, I mean, we're praying about it and asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Um, you know, I thought diagramming sentences was stupid. One of my kids loved it, so I let him do it, you know? <laughs> uh, he thought it looked interesting. So history and science. Okay, so kindergarten through somewhere between sixth and eighth grade, I didn't do history or science. I'm just gonna be straight up honest with you. Um, let me ask you this. How much do you actually remember from grade school when it comes to history and science? Not much. Really, it's the math and the language that I remember that stuck with me that I continued to use, the history and the science really that stuck with me was what I learned when I was older. And I remembered that as I was beginning to homeschool our kids. And I thought, you know what? And I felt like we just couldn't do more subjects. Like this just, that wasn't going to be a good fit for us. So, but I mean, I'm not saying exposure, I'm saying exposure can be good. Like if you're interested in that and that's something you thrive in and love teaching and you should do it with your kids because chances are they're gonna love it too. And maybe you can teach your math through it or you can teach your language through it or you know, you can and adjust that to your own family. Um, and I'm saying exposure can be good along the way, but um, it's unreasonable to think that we can cram their brains with information at this age this younger age and expect it to stick um, unless it's interesting to them. This is why simplicity and them actually having hands-on experiences is, is key. So when it came to history and science, when it, 
where, whenever they showed an interest, I tried to run with it. We would get books on it. Um, I would sometimes get a science kit. I tried to buy science kits if I found them at a reasonable price and just have them just leave them out. Say, hey, what do you guys think about this? And just sort of, you know, let them play with it and do what they wanted with it and not try to take it over and own it because, again, then they won't own it. I kept lots of good books around. Um, I let them watch documentaries on the things they were interested in. Maybe certain periods of history interested them for a while. There's an ebb and a flow to it. You're going to find the interest will be there and then it won't be, and that's okay. Um, books like, uh, I love the Usborne books, the technical drawing book is one we had, What's Inside You, Stuff Exploded, that's another book, um, How Things Work, there's lots of those out there. Um, I would give them buckets of scrap wood, nails, hammers, uh, screwdrivers, mechanical and small engine, lawnmower, wheels, you know, I meant yard sales, I'd buy small little things that they could tear apart and put back together. We bought old computers. These are things that they want to play with. These are the things that they should be spending their time on. And, um, and it was amazing because um, even things like they would invent ways to make their chores easier. I love that. That is science right there. Um, so lots of real life. This is the best place where they first learn to overcome because they're owning these projects and they're into them and, they're, and they belong to them. They are, they are uh, they're willing and they will make that effort to overcome the obstacles along the way because it's theirs. Eventually, we want them to know how to push through in their studies, but that does not have to happen until later when they're developmentally ready for it. Does that make sense? That is the part that I just have found has just resonated with our kids. And so I hope that some of these things that I mentioned uh, make sense to you and um, will actually lift a burden for you and make you help you realize that your kids, your boys are natural learners. I think so much of the time we just need to get out of the way and stop pretending like we know what they need. And, and I say that with respect because sometimes there are areas where we do know what they need and we need to apply it. And I totally get that. And you need to follow through with that. Stick with it. Don't, don't veer from that. But I think it's also important for us to know who they are, to be students of them. Last week, I had you all take some time to, to uh, be a student of your, of your boy and take some notes and maybe notice things that you, maybe you would notice things. Did you notice things that you didn't realize um, about your boys this last week? One of the things that is, that are really uh, important to remember when we're schooling our boys, when we're doing that book part aspect of it is they need brain breaks. When they start getting frustrated and, and you can tell that it's not going well, um, I would send them outside um, or to go, you know, jump on the trampoline, play with Legos, ride bikes, play ball, run around the outside of the house, race each other, or take a walk with them. Something where they can just blow off physically. A lot of the time, that's what they need. Um, sometimes my boys would refocus by playing Legos, you know. Um, it just depends on your, on your child. Um, screen time is not part of this picture. So I just want to reiterate that. And I'm going to talk later about media um, in the next podcast. Um, and I'm also going to be talking about uh, schooling older boys. I'm also going to be sharing with you uh, 
some of the questions you asked me and what my boys' response to those questions, uh, what their response was. So um, I want to just be praying for you right now. And um, so I'm gonna pray over you right now because I'm, I had to stop a little earlier than what my notes uh where my notes were taking me because uh, we've already been at this for an hour. So, um, but I hope that you found something valuable here. And um, I'm going to continue with this talk next week. Um, like I said, I'm gonna be talking about uh, some things that our, our boys reminded me of. And I'm gonna go on and talk about uh, junior high and high school, what it looks like to homeschool that age. I'm gonna talk about things to expect um, when you're raising boys, um, talk about the great things about raising boys. Um, but right now, I just want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, I just lift up these moms to you, God. I ask that as they take in these things that I've shared, God, I pray that you would uh, shine a light on the things that they need to pay attention to right now, Lord, and help them to be able to pick uh, through and be able to recognize the things that are going to be the most helpful right now. Lord, I ask that you would give them wisdom and clear direction, Father. I pray that you would help them to continue to come to you for wisdom, to continue to pray over their boys. God, I ask that you would uh, guide them, Father, as they raise these boys into men, Lord. Our heart's desire is to raise godly men. And so I just pray that as we're talking through all of this, Lord, that we would see where you're working, Lord, and we would we would join in and cooperate with what it is you want us to apply to our boys, Lord. I just pray your blessing over these women as they teach their kids this week, as they um, mother their children and um, as wives, Lord, and as keepers in their homes, God, I pray that you would bless them beyond measure, Father. I just lift them up to you and uh, thank you for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.